This audio is brought to you by MuslimCentral.com. I would like to ask any question. Please uh, let us know your name and profession and you can ask your question after that. Jazakum. Assalamu alaikum, sir. My name is Dalen and uh, I, I work here. I'm into sales. And I, it, I have a, a question which is a little out of topic, but it was something that I, it was a video I seen, and and honestly I did I did like the video, and I and I and I did like what Dr. Zakarnaik said, but there was a couple of videos which went refuting it, and honestly I didn't like the way people refuted it, and it because they refuted it with a lot of disrespect. So uh, I didn't really like that, but I just I just have a question, and I. <laughs> kind of wrote it down, uh, Dr. Zakarnak, uh, yeah, uh, in, in a video a couple of years ago, uh, you actually mentioned uh, in John, uh, it's from the Bible guys, uh, John uh, chapter 15 verse 26 and it says, when the comforter will come who I will send unto you from the Father, even the spirit of truth which proceed from the Father. Uh, there was a reference which it said is talking about uh, Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. And uh, I uh, really don't uh, get that in which way, you know, because, you know, the Bible says it talks about the Holy Spirit. And I really do not get that. If you can just make that a little clear for me. And, yeah, that's it. And there's just another word. And, there's another verse which is on that. But, I mean, if you could just answer this. The brother asked a very good question. And as I'd like to know, as per the rules of the question session, that the non-Muslims can ask any question on the topic, out of the topic. The non-Muslims are free to ask any question on, on comparative religion, whether it be Islam, Christianity, Hinduism, Buddhism, they are most welcome. As far as the Muslims are concerned, they should ask only questions on the topic. So any non-Muslims have any question, this is the opportunity, you can come on the microphone. They would be given the first chance. We'd only like to have the name and the profession so that I would be in a better position to reply. The, the brother asked the question, and before asking the question, he said that he's seen my video clipping, and he also saw people refuting. He didn't like the people refuted. And this is common. You know, when you start getting popular, there are many people who are writing against you. And this is common. But there are many people replying to these refutations also, alhamdulillah. The question posed by the, by the brother was, Regarding one of my talks in where I tried to mention about the mention of Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam in the Bible, in the New Testament, Gospel of John chapter number 15 verse 26, and I've given many references talking about the Comforter, Gospel of John chapter number 14 verse number 16, Gospel of John chapter number 16 verse number 7, and Gospel of John chapter number 16 verse number 11 to 14, talking about the Comforter. The brother wants to know, wants to have more details, he did not understand clearly. In this reference I clearly mentioned in the Gospel of John chapter 14 verse number 16, it says that, that I have told my father to send a comforter and he will send it to you. In Gospel of John chapter number 15 verse 26, that when I go to my father, he send a comforter who will abide with you forever. Further it goes in the Gospel of John chapter number 16 verse number 7, that it is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter shall not come. For, for if he comes, shall I depart. Now for this comforter, there are criteria mentioned, the comforter. Now when we talk about this comforter, many a time the Christian missionaries say that this comforter refers to the Holy Spirit. Actually, the correct word in the Greek and Aramaic is parakletos. 
Paraclete means the praiseworthy. If you translate praiseworthy into Arabic, it becomes Muhammad. Now they have converted Paraclete into Parakletos, which means lovely or which means uh, comforter. Now, irrespective whether it's Paraclete or the praiseworthy, or whether it is Paracletos or whether it is Comforter, both befit the Prophet Muhammad. Now, coming to the next prophecy in Gospel of John, chapter number 16, verse number 7, the prophecy also says that it is expedient for you that I go away, that Jesus Christ, peace be upon, should go away. For if he does not go away, the Comforter shall not come. For if he departs, shall he come. So, if the Christian missionaries say that this Comforter refers to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit was already there before Jesus Christ, peace be upon him, was born. The Holy Spirit, according to the Bible, was there in the womb of Elizabeth. It was also there when Jesus Christ, peace be upon him, was alive. So surely, this comforter cannot refer to the Holy Spirit, Spirit because one of the criteria for the Holy Spirit is that only if Jesus Christ, peace be upon him, goes, will this comforter come. Therefore, this comforter refers to no one but the last and final messenger, Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. Furthermore, if you read in the Gospel of John, chapter number 16, verse number 12 to 14, it says that, Jesus Christ, peace be upon him, says that I have many things to send to you, but he cannot bear them now. For he, when the spirit of truth shall come, he shall guide you unto all truth. He shall not speak of himself. All that he hears shall he speak. He shall glorify me. So here again it says that Jesus Christ, peace be upon him, says, I have many things to say unto you, but he cannot bear them now. For he, when the spirit of truth shall come, he shall guide you unto all truth. He shall not speak of himself. All that he hears shall he speak. He, 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 he. Indicating it cannot be Holy Spirit. And all that he hears shall he speak. Talking about Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. That Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam never spoke of himself. All that revelation he got from Almighty God, he repeated it. And he shall glorify me. And the only prophet that has glorified Jesus Christ, peace be upon him, is Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So if you read all these references, and the references in the Old Testament and New Testament, all these put together, refer to no one, but the last and final messenger, Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. Uh, Hope that answers the question. I, that day, just just one just one more thing. Uh, what does it mean when it said that he may abide with you forever? Ah, he will abide with you forever means he will stay with you forever. Now stay physically. Oh. Yes, very good. Same have two meaning. One is physically, one is spiritually. Uh-huh. One is in teachings. Uh-huh. Now because Prophet Muhammad is the last and final messenger, after him no messenger will come. So his teaching will always stay with you. Okay. He will abide with you forever. That means his teaching is still eternity. All the earlier prophets that came, Prophet Moses, his teaching was meant only for his people until the time the next prophet came. Prophet Jesus, peace be upon him, did not come for whole humanity. He only came for the Jews and his teaching was only there till the last prophet came. So when Muhammad came, he will abide you with forever. That means his teaching will be with forever and you have to follow his commandment till the last day. Hope that's the question. I'm, I'm, I'm done here. Just, just a last thing and I'm done. Sure, uh, it says, uh, uh, even the spirit of truth. Is there any other reference of uh, any other uh, person uh, or a being which is referred to as the spirit of truth in the Quran? Because, I mean, uh, there's a couple of my Muslim friends. I mean, I haven't really gone a check and gone and checked this. And I was, actually, I wanted to see you. So I was in a hurry and I didn't get time to check this. But no, uh, no. one of my Muslim friends who said that this uh, angel is Gabriel, that's uh, Jibril. He was also referred to as the spirit of truth. And uh, if so, is that the same person? 
as what what is the meaning of spirit of spirit of truth has got various meanings that can imply mm-hmm. if it applies to an angel yes the angel gabriel is a spirit he was archangel gabriel who was given the work of getting the revelation from almighty god unto the messengers including prophet muhammad that was his role he is archangel gabriel okay. but the spirit of truth is just it means the person who is truthful it can refer to an angel it can refer to a human being here in the context when it says he 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 but spirit it says he no. when the spirit of truth shall come mm-hmm. spirit of truth means the person who is truthful and it says he a spirit is never called he okay i have many things to say unto you but he cannot bear them now for he when the spirit of truth shall come he shall guide you unto but, all truth uh, he again spirit is it, it i mean uh, i know a spirit i mean when it comes to he i mean when like when like when we speak of the holy spirit we believe that it's the spirit of christ and and we actually refer to holy spirit as he and now i don't say that uh, like uh, i do not say like the holy i i believe holy spirit is a person so i always did refer to spirit as he fine so if you spirit of truth can have two meanings if it can mean a person it can mean can mean a uh, angel if you read the full prophecy mm-hmm. what it says in the gospel of john chapter 16 verse 12 to 14 i have many things to say unto you but he cannot bear them now yeah. for he when the spirit of truth shall come he shall guide you unto all truth he shall not speak of himself all that he hear shall he speak now the only person when he got revelation and he spoke it was prophet muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam ah kemble did not get any speak you understood i understand all that he hear shall he speak he shall not speak of himself all that he shall speak he shall glorify me the archangel gabriel never glorified jesus christ peace be upon him correct it yeah. was prophet muhammad who glorified jesus peace be upon him yeah that so is. this again refers only to the last and final messenger that is prophet, prophet muhammad, muhammad peace be upon him and furthermore the other references of comfort everything all this talk about the person who is praiseworthy the person who need to be so this, the most this is the outline so at like if i mean if if i want to look at it from a from an islamic point of view uh, there is uh, there is no uh, existence of uh, uh, the uh, the holy spirit as in the spirit of god no spirit of god is different holy spirit is different absolutely i'm no i'm talking about the spirit of christ we in islam no... we in islam believe in human beings mm-hmm. among the human beings the best are the messengers mm-hmm. and 25 are mentioned by name and five are supposed to be the great messengers one of them is jesus christ peace be upon him it's also muhammad sallallahu alaihi the last and final messenger mm-hmm. then we have the angels the angels are different so there is no spirit of christ basically no spirit of christ christ is the messenger of almighty god and islam is the only non christian faith which makes an article of faith to believe in jesus christ peace be upon him yeah, no muslim the muslim we does not believe in jesus christ peace I be upon know, him we believe that he was one of the mightiest messengers of god we believe that he was born miraculously without any human intervention which many modern day christian do not believe we believe that he was called the christ christ means the messiah i do not that we believe that that he gave life to the earth with god's permission we believe that he healed those born blind and lepers with god's permission so the muslim and the christian are going together but one may ask where is the parting of ways the uh, parting of ways is is uh, believing that uh, one believes that jesus christ was the incarnation of most god. of the christians believe that jesus is god himself yeah we believe or son of god but god himself god himself. which we object there is not a single unequivocal statement in the complete bible where jesus christ peace be upon himself says that i am god or ways will worship me if any christian can point out a single unequivocal statement 
a single unambiguous statement from the complete Bible anywhere where Jesus Christ, peace be upon himself, says that I am God or where he says, worship me, I am ready to accept Christianity. Uh, it says, it does not say directly, but it does say that... Unambiguous, unequivocal statement. Yeah, I mean, it says that... Uh, uh, that I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Now, when he says, except through me, does he mean uh, nobody else but him? This is a statement from Gospel of John, chapter number 14, verse number 6. Yeah. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man come into all God but through me. Yeah. Now, this is a statement. Mm-hmm. This is a statement, if you know the context. Mm-hmm. For context, you have to go to verse number 1. In Gospel of John, chapter number 14, verse number 1, Jesus Christ, peace be upon him, says that if you believe in God, you, if you, you believe, believe, God, believe in me, yeah. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And yeah. in my father's house, there are many, many mansions, many, many rooms. Yeah. I, am going, I am going there to prepare a place for you. Yeah. And, you and you know where I go. So one apostle says, no, we don't know. We don't know then he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Yeah. No man coming unto my father but through me. Now this is the statement of every messenger. Every messenger at his time, he was the way, the truth and the life. No man came unto all, Almighty God but through the teachings of the messenger. At the time of Moses, Moses was the way, the truth and the life. No man came unto Almighty God but through the teachings of Moses. At the time of Jesus Christ, peace be upon him. We surely believe that he was the way, the truth and the life. No man came unto Almighty God but through the teachings of Jesus, peace be upon him. But Jesus also said that, the, that I've got many things to send to you, but he cannot bear them now. For he, when the spirit of truth shall come, he shall guide you unto all truth. Today, who is the way, the truth and the life? It is Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. Today, Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, the way, the truth and the life. No man cometh unto Almighty God but through Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. But that does not make Prophet Muhammad as God. He is the way, the truth and the life. He is showing you the way of Almighty God. So I surely believe in this verse. So in no verse way does true. this verse ever make you believe that Jesus is God. But, but it you makes do you believe that that verse is true and that Jesus Christ... I totally agree, but what is the meaning of it? It means that Jesus is a messenger of God, peace be upon him. And I believe he is a messenger of God. And, and, and Jesus immediately after two, two chapters later says, I have many things to say unto you, but he cannot bear them now. For he went the spirit. That means he's telling you, he's telling all the Christians that you have to believe in the last and final messenger. As the Christian day to the Jews, we believe in all the messengers. You believe in one more messenger, Prophet Jesus. We Muslims tell you that you are a brother. We believe in all the messengers mentioned in the Bible. We tell you, you should also believe in the last messenger which is mentioned in the Bible. That's the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. That's the request. Uh, we would like to give uh, the chance, inshallah, to uh, others. Brother, do you believe in the last and final messenger? Do you believe in Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him? I believe that he was a, a good man. No, do you believe he was a messenger? I, Jesus Christ didn't say he was a good man. Jesus Christ said, I have many things to send to you, but he cannot bear them now. For he went the spirit of Trusha. You are also a good man, brother. You are a good man. But so that doesn't I, make you messenger. <laughs> it clearly says that he is the comforter will come. Mm-hmm. It, and it, and it, if you read in the Old Testament, book of Deuteronomy chapter number 18 verse number 18, book of Deuteronomy chapter number 18 verse number 19, in the book of Isaiah chapter 29 verse number 12, it clearly says. So all these prophecies are mentioning about the last and final messenger. Someone else will come after me. After him it has to be a messenger. Correct? Mm-hmm. So if you are a good Christian, 
If you follow the teachings of Jesus Christ, peace be upon him, you have to follow in Prophet Muhammad's peace be upon him, otherwise you are not a good Christian. Alright sir, thank you so much. Thank you so much for your time. And I pray thank to Allah you. to give you guidance. Thank you sir. Thank you, most you so much. thank you very much. Uh, we would like to take a question from any other non-Muslim that we'll uh, give a preference to. Okay, we have on mic number two. Um, and then we will take a question from the ladies section as well. If you have a non-Muslim lady who would like to ask a question, she can come forward to the mic after this question, inshallah. It's mic number two, this question oh. number two. Okay, uh, Assalamu alaikum, Dr. Zakir Naik. Uh, my name is Adnan Jahangir. I'm a medical student, and uh, I'm an atheist, but this lecture has convinced me otherwise that uh, Assalamu alaikum is one of the best greetings. My, my question is how. You're an atheist yes. or a Muslim? No, I'm a Muslim. Uh, I'm an atheist, ex Muslim. You you were a Muslim, now you're an atheist. Okay, brother, go ahead. All right. My question is of two parts. First one, what is the stance of Islam on evolution? And two, what is the stance of Islam on apostates? The first one, it's how, do you, how does Islam deal with evolution when, I'm, as I'm a medical student, my professors, when they show me the skulls of how humans have evolved throughout millions of years from Homo habilis to Homo erectus to us Homo sapiens and when they show proof of how evolution has taken place over the years how do you disprove that when there when it is fact it is not theory or a hypothesis it is not a hypothesis anymore it is fact how do you disprove that if you could answer with the Jangir has asked a question that what is the Islamic view on theory of evolution? And brother, if I reply to you, then will you come back to the fold of Islam? If it's a convincing enough answer. If I give a convincing reply, will you come back to the fold of Islam? Inshallah. Inshallah. Jangir asked a question. He said you are the Muslim and now he's an atheist. And he asked, what is the view of the theory of evolution? For complete, you can refer to my talk on Quran and modern science, which covers in the question and such and theory of evolution. As far as the question on theory of evolution has come, there is no book so far that I have read which talks about fact of evolution. Theory of evolution means the theory. And when we talk about theory of evolution, we start thinking of Charles Darwin. He wrote a book called The Origin of Species. And in that book, he says, that he went on a ship by the name of HMS Beagle and he went on an island by the name of Calatropus and there he saw birds pecking in niches. Now depending upon the niches, the holes they pecked, the beak became short and long. Based on this observation, he propounded his theory of evolution. He propounded a natural selection. And Charles Darwin, he wrote a letter to his friend Thomas Thompson in, in the 19th century. And he said that I do not have proof as far as my theory of evolution is concerned. There are missing links. But because it helps me in rudimentary organ, it helps me in classification, I have propounded this theory. That is the reason when we were in school, if we had to tease any of our friends, we used to call him that you are the missing link. If you were present, Darwin's theory would have been proved right. 
indicating that he is a monkey. You know, we used to fool around. So there is no proof regarding Darwin's theory at all. It's a theory, it's not a fact. Now in most of the schools, they teach Darwin's theory as though it's a fact because they don't have any alternative. Because of that. But no scientist at all can say for sure. Yes, there are many scientists who support Darwin's theory. But as far as recent times are concerned, most of the most of the scientists today have they do not agree with Darwin's theory. As far as you talked about the four waves of hominoids. First was the Iceman, then was the Neanderthal man, then was the Cro-Magnon. All these that you find, there is no link between them. There is no link whatsoever. According to P.P. Grasse, who held the chair of the evolutionary studies in Paris, Chaujon University, he said, it is letting your imagination run too wild to assume based on few studies on the vestiges, on the skeletons, to think that we have been created from him. There is no link at all among all these four. So Darwin propounded. Now many things of Darwin is correct. For example, life was created from water. That Quran also says in Surah Ambiya, chapter number 21, verse number 30. The Quran says, We have created everything from water. Every living thing from water. Will you not then believe? So this is correct. So many things of Darwin is correct. But as a whole, everything is not true. That we have been evolved for apes is not at all. If there was evolution today, we should be having some people who are in between monkeys and human beings. You don't find that in any museum. Brother Jangir, if it's true that we have species have been evolving, today we should find some species at least which are in between the human beings and the men. I would request the audio technician to increase the volume a bit. The audio technician, wherever he is, can you increase the gain please? Jazakallah. Jazakallah shukran. That will have less strain on my vocal cords. So, so all these today, even according to molecular biology, according to the specialist of molecular biology, they say it is absurd to think that our DNA of the human beings have been evolved from it. It's not possible at all. There are many books written against Darwin's theory. Now just because today, because there is no substantial fact, that's the reason in school yet you teach about Darwin's theory. But if you read the latest researches, most of the scholars, most of the scholars today do not believe in Darwin's theory as a whole to be correct. No scientist today yet believes. Very few, there may be few. But the majority, they disagree that we have been created from apes. And that's what the Quran says, that we believe in the theory of creation, not in the theory of evolution. The theory of creation, not the theory of evolution. Or rather I should say the fact of creation. Hope that answers the question, brother. No. So where, where was the question? What did you not understand? What you say, it is true. It was true. 150 years ago, it was true. It's not Darwin's theory anymore. 150 years of research has said that it's not once. He was just the one who started the ideology of evolution. It has gone over loads, 150 years worth of research with the latest scientific advancements that it's not what you're saying. When my professor shows me proof, it's not just from apes, which is completely certain. When you see proof how the common cold evolves, evolves um, pathogen, like when it changes its, its own morphology just to, um, 
keep up to date with today's vaccines. It's evolving it defense mechanisms against um, today's latest vaccine. Brother, That's let me tell you one thing. Right there. Let me tell you one thing. It's not Darwin's theory anymore. Let me tell you one thing, brother. I am a medical doctor. And there are many researches being done. If it turns out to be a fact, it has to come in the medical college. It is Even in the medical college. It's, I'm thought it is in you, university. Sorry? I'm thought evolution in university. It's not, not in school anymore. I'm talking about medical. University, you learn about theories and researches. Even in medical, you learn about theories and researches. Once it becomes a fact, it comes into textbooks of medicine. I don't know of any textbook of medicine in any college in the world which says that we have been, we have been evolved. It is all these are theories and I know the research is being done. Even Darwin's theory never came in the medical textbook. And even what you're talking about, I know there are new and new researches being coming on. But none of them yet has proved it to be a fact of evolution. The, the statement by itself, theory of evolution, means it's a theory. So by English language itself, you don't have to be a researcher. When you say theory, it's a theory. When the theory becomes a fact, it changes. That thing changes into a fact. So by, by the basic you saying theory of evolution, it means it's an hypothesis. No. It is not yet a thought. There's it's a not yet a fact. There's a difference between hypothesis and theory. A theory is something in science that has the highest honor. When something gains the word theory, it's fact. The theory, in, in theoretical terms, it's the theory of gravity. But we don't say it. We just say it fact. Oh, same which, way, sorry, we say the fact of gravity. Sorry, of what did you say? Theory of what? Gravity. If you say it in theoretical terms. but it's No the theory of gravity. It's the law of gravity. I'm sorry. Law. I'm sorry. It's the law your, of evolution. I'm sorry. Your knowledge of science is very weak. It is Boyle's law. It is not Boyle's theory. It is Archimedes' principles. It's not Archimedes' theory. Whatever's theory, when it becomes a fact, it changes into law. I'm sorry your knowledge is so weak and I wouldn't like to continue. Your knowledge you is so weak. My question, I'm sir. not here to teach 2 plus is equal to 4 in the audience. In the question answer session, you ask a question, I give the answer. If you like it, you keep it. If you don't like it, you throw it. Okay, just the thing is that if your knowledge sir. is so weak, you're saying theory is the highest thing in science. I'm sorry, you're absurd. I'm a medical doctor. Theory is the highest thing in science. If I'm very sorry, brother. If I'm Jangi, brother, I'm very sorry. Theory is never the highest thing in science. If you think just because you're going to university, you're coming to fool the people here. I'm not. I'm totally sorry. Theory, if it becomes a fact, and if the theory becomes a law, it may reach a high standard. But theory by itself, it's a theory, it's a hypothesis. Once it gets converted, it becomes a law, it becomes a fact. Newton's law, it becomes a fact, it becomes a law. I'm sorry to say that by itself, it's calling it a theory means it is not yet an established fact. The heart pumps blood. Is it a theory or is it a fact? It's a fact. No, the proof. theory of heart pumping blood. Theory of heart pumping blood now. Now, if I'm, if I'm going to teach you English language here, I feel you are wasting the time of the people. Surely, if you can't understand simple English, that what's the difference between the theory, that theory is the highest thing in science, then I'm sorry you'll have to go back and learn science. What about the evidence, sir? We would like to, uh, because, uh, you know, the, as we have already learned, the uh, question in and of itself is uh, not uh, qualified to be... Uh, it's a theory. <laughs> so, we would like, so we would like to give the opportunity to a more uh, qualified question, inshallah. 
and we will uh, ask from the ladies section inshallah if there is any lady who has uh, theoretical question <laughs> uh, from the non-muslims of course we'll give preference to brothers there are no non-muslims here to ask a question okay is there anybody over here from the non-muslims who would like to uh, from the from the men section there is one over here on the mic number two I so request we'll that the other non-Muslims are most welcome to come on the microphones. The two microphones kept for the gents and one in the ready section. Is there any questions which a non-Muslim has regarding Islam, regarding Hinduism, regarding Christianity, compared to religion? This is the opportunity. Even if you want to criticize Islam, this is the opportunity. You are most welcome to ask any question and I'll time and level best to reply. Yes, brother, name and profession. Okay, uh, my name is Anshul Bakshi. Uh, I'm from India. And uh, right now I'm uh, working as a, I'm part of a uh, talent acquisition team in an organization right now. And I'm part of a research team within the talent acquisition team, recruitment per se. And I'm very thankful that I've been given chance to ask a question to uh, great Mr. Zakir Naik. I'm a little nervous as well. Uh, uh, my question uh, has not to do anything like uh, directly related to the religion, but uh, I just want to ask this question has been asked to you earlier also because I've seen few of your videos and uh, one of the persons also asked and I had exactly the same question, but I was not pretty much convinced with the answer that you gave. So this time around I'm expecting that I would be getting a, a, a more satisfactory answer. Uh, like uh, I just want to ask that why God created this universe? That is the question that I have. Uh, you had given the answers like it was like like I say that why has God created human being? And you answered that it was the human being at that point of time who chose to be a human being, whether in whatever form a human being was at that point of time, whether he was a soul or a, or a devil or or an angel, uh, he was given the choice that at that point of time to become a human being. My question is that if he had not created me in any of the forms millions of years back, the question of me given the choice of becoming a human being or for anything for that matter would not have arised. Now, like when it comes to the basics, suppose if I'm not getting the answer of this question, let's suppose, still I know the basics of being a human being, what is good, what is bad, where I am wrong, where I have to really work on my limitations and I can, I know 2 plus 2 is equal to 4. My question is that why were the numbers created? That is the question. Like, like I, if I can give one more example, you come from India itself. You know that couple of years back in 2012 on 16 December in the night, a girl was was raped in a in a public bus in Delhi. And after that, she was like destroyed by four or five devils on that night. And it, that was something I was really very shocked, and that really horrified the entire nation. I'm, I, I, where was God that at that point of time? That that, that is the question that came into my mind. Now. Even if there was some sort of a purpose of God behind that particular incident, like that purpose could have solved through some other medium also. Why that much of pain? Why that much of pain? Brother, Thank I would you. request you that if you can make the answer simple, you have given a short speech. <laughs> I can reply to all your points, but that will take a long time. I would like to know what is your main question, main one or two questions. Do you want to know about rape? Do you want to know about creation? Do you know human being? What do you want to know? I want so to if know. If you ask about 20 questions together, ask one question at a time. I will try and reply that no problem. Otherwise, if you're asking, now in your short speech, I could at least gather 10 questions. Right? Now okay. for me to answer all these 10 questions would take more than an hour. And I think giving one hour to one person would not be just. No, so my main question. So you ask me basic yeah. question. 
don't give an answer I gave you earlier. You, you asked me the question, you gave my answer also, then you asked a new question, then you asked <laughs> about rape, then you asked what was God doing at that time. So what do you want to know? Ask me one question, two questions, I'll reply. So I would like to know that... What was why, God doing when they were raped? Why, no, why God uh, created this universe? What was the main purpose behind it? Yes. Finished. Simple question. I give an answer. Yes, the answer is wrong. Brother asked a question. What's the name, brother, you said? Anshul. Anshul. A-N-S-H-U-L. Anshul. Anshul asked a good question. That what was the purpose of God creation of the universe? Now, while giving the answer, he gave the purpose of creation of human being. So you are asking the question, you are giving the answer of human being and you are jumbling everything, it would be difficult. I have given many answers and you have heard many of them I believe, but you are mixing most of them. What is the purpose of creation? I have given a talk on this, what is the purpose of creation? This is a full talk of mine. And I gave a talk on what is the purpose of life. Many things are overlapping. As far as the creation, what is the purpose of creation? God is the creator. If he is the creator, he has to create. What is the purpose of each creation? Each creation differs. The creation, the purpose of each creation differs. The purpose of creation of animals is different than the purpose of creation of human being. Every, but as a whole, as a whole, all the creations that Almighty God created, He is the creator. He is the creator. Now, creator are of two, three different types. One creator is one who creates something from something which even you and I can do. We can take wood, we can chop the tree, make the wood, make it into a table. So, you and I also are creator, but we are limited creators. But one creator is who can create something from nothing that only God can do. So, God is the creator who can create something from nothing. Like, how did the creation of the universe come? The Quran says in Surah Ambiya, chapter number 21, verse number 30, that Avalam Yerlevina Kafuru. Do not unbelievers see. Anna Samawati wal Arda. That the heaven and the earth were joined together and we clove them asunder. He's talking about the creation. How did he create? Now people are doing research whether it's right or wrong. How did it come? Some are coming to part truth, but not total truth. Now regarding the purpose, if you want to know what is the purpose of the creation of the human beings, the universe in itself, human being is part of universe basically. So the universe in itself, what is the main purpose of this universe being created basically? The purpose of the universe is for the creation of the creation of Allah to, to live in this universe. But what why? Is the, why then each creation has a different reason. So if you want to know, yes, one of the best creations of Almighty God is the human beings. One of the best creations of Almighty God, the best of molds is... It is a human being. And the purpose of the creation of the human beings is mentioned in Surah Daryat, chapter number 51, verse number 56. Allah says that, وَمَا خَلَقْتُ الْوَالْجِنَّةِ That Allah has created the jinnah and the men, not but to worship Him. وَمَا خَلَقْتُ الْجِنَّةِ وَالْإِنسَا إِلَّا لِيَعْبُدُونَ That Almighty God has created the jinn and the men, not but to worship Him. And most of the creation, whether you, the animals, the birds, the other living creatures, all the other living creatures have already submitted the will to Almighty God. As far as the creation of the human being is concerned, unlike the other creations, the other creations, they don't have a free will of their own. Except for jinn and men. All the other creations of Almighty God, they don't have a free will. For example, we create a computer. Correct? 
Does the computer have the free will? No. Whatever we program, they they do. If you program them to do addition subtraction, they'll do it. If you program them to do multiplication, they'll do it. If you so, if you make a computer, it is something unique, something good, but it doesn't have a free will. So, amongst all these creations, the uniqueness of the human being and jinn is that the human beings have a free will of their own, and in their free will, the purpose is they want to test that which. Of the people, Almighty God, who has given free will, follows the commandment of Almighty God. If you follow the commandment, like computer follows the commandment, what you say, nothing great, because it is programmed. Now, Almighty God gave a, gave a free will to the human beings that it can either obey or disobey Almighty God. If you obey Almighty God, you become superior to the angels. The angels don't have a free will, but they always obey Almighty God. So, so a creation which doesn't have a free will and always obeys God is a good creation, but not the ultimate creation. The human beings have a free will; they can either obey or disobey Almighty God. Now, once the free will has been given, and then you obey Almighty God, you become higher than the angels. After the free will is given, if you disobey, then you become low. So, the choice is given, as you told in my earlier answer, which you heard when I'd given, I think, one year back in Dubai, that when a person asked me. That you know, why did I become a human being? So I told that the Quran says that we were the people who chose, because you should not object to Allah. That why did He make me a human being? Why didn't He make me an animal? So Almighty God says that the choice was given to the human being, and the Quran says we were fools who opted to be human beings. If we didn't opt to be human beings, we would just be like normal Muslims, obey and submit to the will of God. Now here, when the option is given, if you take the option of undergoing the examination, and if you pass the examination, you get distinction. You become higher than the angels. If you fail, then you become low. So we human beings were the fool who opted to undergo the examination. Now you will say, "I don't remember." I say, "I don't remember." No, but I, I would like to say that if he had not created me, I would have not like chosen anything. If he wouldn't have created you, you'd have been like an animal which has no free will. No, have gone I'm to saying Jannah. I'm showing not even animal for that matter. Okay, let's 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 uh, let's. I accept the fact that now I have been created. Just last one question that I have is that why why then so much of pain? Like whatever may be the purpose of God to create, why is it only through the way of pain that I'm my that purpose is getting sorted? It could be into through some other situation through some other way but it should not brother, be pain. the brother asked a very good question that why is it so much of pain that i'm undergoing this test by true. the pain true it is like you asking me that if i have to pass the medical examination i have to slog i have to i have to stay awake hardly step for 2 3 hours a day why i have to study so many books if i have to become a doctor okay see huh? uh, i can understand that the thing is that let me I'm complete a, okay sure <laughs> So if I have to pass a test, and I have to sacrifice, if you say that I want to pass the test without sacrificing, where is the test? It is like two plus two is equal to five. That's not a test for me. That's what kids play. Now, if you are undergoing a test, but naturally the test is to test whether you can really take these things or not. And if you undergo pain, for example, if I tell you that, brother. I will give you pain only for two seconds. How many? Two seconds. And after that, whatever you want in the world, I'll give you. Whatever you want, a mountain of gold, I'll give you. You want your pain to disappear, I'll give you. Would you agree to take that two per? 
Two seconds pain or not? As I a would. logical person. I would, certainly I would. Surely. Yep. Now I am telling this life that you are leading in this world is for approximately 50 to 60 years. Some people at the age of 20, some at the age of 50, some at the age of 90. Average say 50, 60 years, correct? Now this life compared to the eternal life is less than two seconds of your life. <coughs> correct? So right. now when you are agreeing as a logical person, two seconds I'll take whatever pain, I'll bear it. Or even if I have to die, I would say again I'm back to life. Correct? So if you compare in your life of 50 years, 2 seconds, what is to 50 years, your full 50 years is less than 2 seconds of your eternal life. So when you are agreeing logically to bear any pain whatsoever for 2 seconds, so that you can ask what do you want in this world, same thing if I tell this 50 years of your average life is less than 2 seconds of your eternal life. So if you have to undergo pain, for example, somebody raped that woman. Nowhere does the Quran say that a woman is raped, she'll go to hell. If she was a good lady, and if she was not the cause of the rape, and if somebody troubled her, she may go to Jannah. So the pain, so if someone says that if the girl is raped, yeah, she may be looked down upon, in the year after she go to Jannah. Nowhere does it say, ah, the people who rape, they will go to hellfire. The people who raped, they enjoyed for maybe half an hour, one hour, two hours, they will burn in hell forever. This is the justice of God. If God wanted, he could have prevented that rape. It's very easy for him. Yes, that's Not my point. Not that God, but if God keeps on preventing, if an examination is going, the teacher has taught in the classroom. Now during the examination, the teacher is supervising. And the student is adding 2 plus 2 is equal to 5. The teacher can say, hey boy, don't write 5, write 4. But if the teacher objects, won't the others object? If the teacher tells him that don't write 2 plus 2 is equal to 5, write 4, then the other student will object. Why is the teacher interfering in the test? If God wants, he can easily prevent the rape. It's easy for him, kun for kun. But he lets it happen. And the person who has caused, caused the pain, he will punish him. And the person who just will put him to heaven. So this is the justice of Almighty God. All undergo, for example, you may be the brother of the woman who is raped. You may be the son. What is your role? Do you yet have faith in Almighty God? God wants to test you. Sir. So all this is the test for the person who is raped, for the person who is raping, for the relatives of the person who is raped. God wants, He can easily stop it. That doesn't mean God doesn't exist. God is letting it happen. He does not interfere in the free will, but based on the action you do, what He has taught you, good, bad, what is good, what is wrong, what is right, on the day of judgment, He will be just, and see to it, he will give reward to those who deserve it. He will give punishment to those who deserve it. Okay, like you said about the test. Okay, human beings have limitations. And we as a teachers or maybe like our teachers would have created those tests because they, were, have, they have the limited knowledge and through that limited knowledge, they want to play with that limited knowledge and make sure that our children or like our juniors are becoming better human beings. God does not have any limitation. So he does not need... To, uh, uh, like set any sort of a test for a human being to pass or fail, to go in hell or heaven. God has got unlimited powers. It's human being who has limitations and that is why it has created a way, human being has created a way to become a better human being and to pass on those teachings that he would have got, learned from his ancestors or maybe by reading the, 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 the Quran or the Bible or whatever. But God is has got unlimited power. It does not require to set any sort of a test for human being for anyone to pass or fail or to go into hell or heaven. He can do it without even setting that set or 
by like without even making the human being going through that pain very good brother asked a very good question that teachers have limited power limited knowledge god has unlimited power without undergoing the test he can tell this person deserves hell this person deserves heaven correct brother he is all powerful he is all knowing absolutely even without the test he can tell this person will go to hell this correct he can i mean he knows he the end of it very good very good now imagine suppose the teacher not teacher before the examination predicts that this person will come out first class first this person will get second class this person will fail and and the person undergoes the test he comes out first class first he gets second class he fails why not, not everyone goes to heaven i am saying let me complete no? <laughs> i'm sorry if everyone goes to hell heaven heaven the, i'm saying heaven if Paradise. everyone goes to heaven then where is the test if you want to become medical like everyone who passes the medical examination teacher will pass then these doctors will instead of treating the patients will start killing the patients <laughs> oh teacher is so kind everyone who gave the medical examination she has passed she has passed but the person cannot treat the patient instead of treating he will kill him who's to blame then the teacher so the main thing the human beings have been created is that after giving a free will do you follow the commandment or not if allah is going to put everyone in the heaven then where is the different creation it is like angels as far as the angels are concerned they can never disobey god so what is the difference between the creation of the angels and human being the creation itself is different that after giving a free will you obey allah's commandment Now coming to your main question, why doesn't God put directly into heaven and hell? If suppose God puts someone in heaven directly, He will not object. But someone He puts in hell directly, He will say that why did you put in hell? What mistake did I do? That's the reason the Quran says in Surah An-Nam, chapter number six, verse fifty-eight, that on the day of judgment, even those who will be put to hell, the non-believers, will not object to the justice of Allah. They will say, "Give me one more chance." Allah will say, "It's too late." The Quran says. those who will be put to hell will never object to allah why are you putting me hell they will agree that they deserve hell they will tell oh my god give me one more chance allah said i gave you enough chance in this world then the test is over that is the beauty of almighty god that if he put you directly into hell you would object what did i do no you were going to kill where did i kill okay now you undergo the full thing same thing the the the, the devil iblis the satan he challenged almighty god that give me little place in the heart of the human being i will deviate him so almighty god says all those who are my followers will never be able to deviate those who are not my followers will be able to deviate so this is the test so here we undergo the test so that on the day of judgment that's what almighty god says your organs will be witness to you your hand your mouth your organ your heart so that when allah shows it will be so crystal clear that no one will be bothered about what's happening to others he'll only be bothered about himself it will be so clear not a single person who will be put to hell will object to almighty god because it will be so crystal clear you made this mistake you deserve hell he will only request that give me one more chance allah will say it's too late because if he has to give him one more chance he'll have to get the good people also again na what will the bad person come in the world and do alone So this is Allah's plan. This is Allah's test. So we human beings have been giving the free will. We are one of the highest of His creation. Now in this creation, God Almighty has told us what is good, what is bad. And I do agree with you. 
we may have to undergo pain. But if you realize, you will not mind it. Like how when I told you two seconds, you said no problem. Same way if you understand that there's something life after death, there's something like heaven, you will never tell Allah, this is nothing. If I have to crib, I'll have to crib. Oh, I'm traveling so many thousands of miles. I'm giving lecture. I'm sleeping only for three hours. I say, nothing I've done and God is giving me so much. I'm getting three hours sleep and no problem at all. So many people are listening. All this is hadam in fadli rabbi. So if you understand Almighty God, you will thank Him that what you are giving me, I don't even deserve point zero 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 zero. When will the one come? I don't know. If you know God. If you don't understand, you will think this life is hell. So that's the reason a believer always thanks Almighty God. And if you understand the purpose of life, then you see how good it is to help others, how it is to convey the message of Almighty God. And we pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to guide us. Hope that answers the question, brother. Okay, just, just last thing, then I'm done. Uh, like, I don't get this opportunity again and again. Now, uh, if a person follows, like, uh, follows Islam blindly, a person follows Hinduism blindly, a person follows Christianism blindly, you know, without knowing what is happening in the other religion, he's following whatever is written in, in his uh, holy book. Uh, will all these three people, four people following different religions properly, like st sticking to their own religions, will, will, will reach uh, heaven, like, like to, to the right place, or only the people who follow Islam would be, would be reaching the right place? That's my final question. Thank very you. Very good question and a very important question. The brother asked a very important question that a Hindu follows his Hindu scriptures. The Christian follows his scriptures, the Muslim follows his scripture. Will all go to heaven? Only those following Islam will go to heaven. Only those following and who submit their will to God will go to heaven. Forget what the name is. Quran says in Surah Imran chapter 3 verse number 19, Inna dina in the Lail Islam. The only religion acceptable in the sight of, in the sight of Almighty God is submit your will to God. Now in Arabic we say Islam. But the real translation is, those who submit the will to Almighty God. Now, I have a simple solution. I have a simple practical solution which no one should mind. I ask these religious communities or religious people, agree that one scripture is 100% the word of God. You said, you know, the Hindus follow their scripture. So the Hindu will say, I don't mind agreeing Veda to be 100% the word of God. The Christian would say, I wouldn't mind believing Bible to be the word of God. The Muslim will say, I don't mind believing Quran to be the word of God. My simple request is, let us agree to follow what is common in all these, these three scriptures. What is different, we'll discuss tomorrow. Whether right or wrong, we'll discuss tomorrow. Let us agree today to follow what is common in all these, these scriptures. Now, when we do a comparative study, we come to know all the religious scriptures say we believe in one God. All the religious scriptures say don't do idol worship. Yet the Hindus do idol worship. Yet the Christians worship Jesus Christ, peace be upon him, as God. I told you earlier, there is not a single unequivocal statement in the complete Bible where Jesus Christ, peace be upon him, says that he's God or he says worship me. So if you believe in the Bible, point out to me one unequivocal statement, one unambiguous statement where Jesus Christ, peace be upon himself, says that he's God or he says worship me. They cannot. Same with the Hindu scriptures. It clearly says idol worship is wrong. If you read the Hindu scripture, Sveta Sveta Upanishad, chapter number 4, number 19, Yajurve chapter 30, verse number 3, it says, Na tasse pratimasti, of that God there is no pratima, no image, no photograph, no painting, no sculpture, no idol. So all the scripture says, God is one. Ikkam evidityam, God is only one without a second. So let us agree, all people to follow what is common, God is one. 
But the intent is right of a of a person of a human being. Even if he is having an idol, like if he is having no, no, some no, statue. No, no, no. You, I'm trying to tell you that all of us has to believe that one scripture is hundred percent the word of God, whether right or wrong. Who oh, Hindu believe that the Veda is the word of God? Now, when he saying Veda is the word of God, why is he following the Pandit? So, when you want to follow religion, follow the religious scripture. If the Pandit is saying what is correct in the Veda, you follow. If the Pandit is saying what is not mentioned in the Vedas, then why are you following the Pandit? So what we human beings have done, we have started following other human beings blindly rather than following the scripture. My only request is to all the human beings in the world, go back to your scripture. I tell the Muslim, go back to the Quran. I tell the Muslim, go back to the Sayyidit. I tell the Hindu, go back to the Veda. You say, no, but that Swamiji said this, this Pandit said that. I said, your Pandit is misguiding you. And if I am misguiding you, tell me Dr. Zakir Naik, you are wrong and I take back my words. I am quoting Sanskrit quotations. I am here to educate. I am here to unite the human being, not to disunite. The other people have opened up the shops. That Very if you follow the scripture, the shop will close down. And that is the even in Muslims. There are some Muslims who have opened up the shop, therefore they are against me. You know the first brother said, I found many of the people writing against you. Not only non-Muslims, even Muslims write against me. If some Muslim has opened his shop, and if I sell that you go to the Quran, his shop will close down, he becomes my enemy. So what I'm requesting, that when you do comparative study, all scriptures agree there's one God, idol worship is wrong. Let us agree we will never do idol worship in future, we'll believe in one God. All scripture says, the last and final messenger is Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. The Vedas says that, the Bible says that, Old Testament, New Testament, Quran says that. So let us agree to follow Prophet Muhammad as the last messenger. All the scriptures say that there is hell and heaven. All the scriptures say there is life after death. All the scriptures say that alcohol is not allowed. It's prohibited. All the scriptures say spoke is prohibited. All the scriptures say you should wear the hijab. I can go on and on quoting, but the first major thing is believe in one God. Don't do idol worship. Believe that Prophet Muhammad is the last and final messenger. Brother, I'd like to ask you the question. That do you believe there is one God? Yes, there is one God. Do you believe idol worship is wrong? Now, as you say, I can, I can, I can believe it. I mean, if you're saying it, see, the thing is, like, there are so many things. There are so many things written uh, for for everyone. It's not really possible to follow all of them. It becomes really very difficult. Even I'm if someone telling you, to let follow. us agree to follow what is common. The thing which is, the, if there's a Venn diagram, circle, circle, circle. Even right? the common things are so many, actually. <laughs> common things, or at least follow the major common things. The most important pillar of all the religion is God is one, and don't do idol worship. So you believe God is one? Yes. Now you believe idol worship is wrong? Do you believe yes. Prophet Muhammad is the messenger of God? Yes, I do. Halas! So that means they have entered the fold of the true religion. If you believe there is one God, and you believe Prophet Muhammad, these two are the basic minimum requirement for you to enter into the religion of submitting your will to God. Whether they call Islam, whether they call Muslim. After that, slowly, slowly. I know there are many things, there is Salah, there is Zakat, there is Hajj, but at least two minimum requirements for anyone to take admission in the religion of God, the religion of Islam, is believe in one God, believe he has no partners, no idol worship, and believe Prophet Muhammad is the last and final messenger, khalas. So that means I'm going to be a Muslim. <laughs> but I would not leave my own religion. I can be a Muslim, but I, I would no, not No, no, don't to... leave the true part of your religion. What is wrong, what you believe, what is the religion you don't know? The basic yeah, because religion. I blindly follow that. See, maybe. religion means a way of life, correct? Correct, that's right. So, that's true. if I prove to you, suppose you're having alcohol, I don't know whether you're having. I don't. But if, you're very good. But suppose if you're having, 
and then I prove to you alcohol is wrong and bad for health. And if you leave, that means you're leaving your religion, na? <laughs> right or wrong? So what you should say, whatever wrong you prove to me in my way of life, I will leave. Certainly, certainly. If you say that I will not change, that means you're obstinate. That means you're stubborn. <laughs> Correct, na? That's right. I'm telling you, you prove to me what I'm doing is wrong. I'm willing to change. You prove to me Quran is wrong. I will not follow the Quran. I'm telling that, na? Because <laughs> I'm doing kufr. You prove to me Quran is wrong. See, Quran, many people say that, you know, Zakir, what he says is, you know, too much. Allah says in the Quran that if you prove to him that Almighty God begot a son, I would be the first person to bow down to him. Because God doesn't beget. Similarly, Allah says in the Quran in Surah Nisa, chapter 4, verse 82, do they not consider the Quran with care? Had it been from anyone besides Allah, there would have been many contradictions. So I tell you, take out a contradiction in the Quran because I'm a student of the Quran. So the, if you are so solid, so what you should say that whatever is wrong in me, I will change. You should be able to say that, correct? Right. But now, basic thing to enter, you should believe there's one God. Right. And believe Prophet Muhammad is the messenger. True. If you believe in these two things, you enter into the basic universal religion. Okay. So I believe that you have already entered. Yep. Yes. Would you like to say it in Arabic? Uh, how do we say it? I don't know. To say it, you have to believe there's no, there's no God but Allah. There is no God but Allah. And Prophet Muhammad is the messenger of Allah. And Prophet Muhammad is the messenger of Allah. MashaAllah. Thank you. MashaAllah. Brother? If you can say what you said is in English, I'll just say it in Arabic. Okay. So that becomes the word of Almighty God. I'll just say it and can repeat it. Sure. And I hope no one is forcing you. No, no, no. Not doing out of your own free will. Certainly no, yes. Yes, very good. Ashadu. Ashadu. Allah. Allah. Ilaha. Ilaha. Illallah. Illallah. Wa ashadu. Wa ashadu. Anna. Anna. Muhammadan. Muhammadan. Abduhu. Abduhu Varasuluhu Varasuluhu I bear witness I bear witness witness that there is no God but Allah that there is no God but Allah and Prophet Muhammad and Prophet Muhammad is the messenger is the messenger and servant of Allah and servant of Allah MashaAllah welcome to the fold and I pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to guide you and come closer to the truth and may you be a source of guidance to the other people to come to the truth Amin Jazakumullah uh, khairan and uh, we have a couple of ladies, uh, uh, you know, non-Muslim ladies who would like to ask uh, questions. So um, we will take uh, the first lady's question inshallah. And uh, before uh, I forget again, I would like you to remind you all that if you haven't registered already through the short code that the system of SMS that we have, we have prizes to give away along with the registrations, all those people who register, we have two iPads, two Samsung Galaxy S5s and two uh, Umrah packages to give away for free. So if you haven't registered, you can register by sending an SMS to 5188 with your name, followed by hash, email, followed by hash, and if you're a male, you put number one, and if you're a female, you put number two. So name, hash, email, hash number one or number two for male and female respectively and you can send the sms to 5188 now we'll take the question from the lady's side the first question please 
Um, Bismillah, Assalamualaikum. I'm Lin from Philippines um, and I'm working as a receptionist in security company. Um, my question is, in the Bible or Quran say, um, honor your father and mother. If I will converted as a Muslim now, uh, do I uh, disobeying my parents and I'll make or I'll make a scene, right? Can you please repeat the question slowly? <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, in Bible, say or in Quran, um, honor your mother and mother, father and mother. So if I converted as a Muslim now, uh, this uh, it means um, I'm disobeying them. So. I I do um, so I make a scene, right? Sister asked for a good question. She says that the Quran says you have to honor and respect your mother and father. But if she becomes a Muslim, she'll be disobeying the parents. So how does she have to solve this problem? Quran says in Surah Isra, chapter number seventeen, verse number twenty-three, twenty-four, that we have ordained for the human beings to be just to the parents. Do you know what I mean? To be kind to the parents and. And Allah says that after worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you have to respect your parents. And if one of them or both of them reach old age, don't say oof to them. Don't say a word of contempt. But lower to them the wing of humility. And you pray for them and address them in honor. And pray to Almighty God that bless them as they cherish me childhood. So in the Quran, after worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah says you have to love and respect your parents. And don't say oof to them. So as a general rule, you have to follow the commandments of your parents, your mother and father. But the Quran also gives an exception in Surah Ankabut, chapter number 29, verse number 8, and Surah Luqman, chapter 31, verse number 15. That after Allah says in Surah Luqman, chapter 31, verse 14, that we have ordained all the human beings to be kind to their parents. In travel upon travel did the mother bore them, and in pain did she give them birth. The next verse says in Surah Luqman chapter 31 verse number 15 that if your parents strive do jihad to make you worship somebody else besides Almighty God, then do not obey them. But yet live with them with love and companionship. Same message is repeated in Surah Ankabut chapter number 29 verse number 8 that we have ordained for the human beings to be kind to the parents. But if their parents force you or strive to make you worship somebody else besides Almighty God, then do not obey them. So here as a general rule, you have to love and respect your parents. But if the parents tell you something against Allah and His Rasul, something against the Quran and the Sahih Hadith, that's the only time you can disobey. But yet, you have to love them and respect them. That does not mean that once you accept Islam, sister, once you accept Islam, you will start respecting your parents more. Because in other religions, you normally don't respect your parents as much as you have to respect in Islam. And our, the, the hadith of Prophet ﷺ said that paradise lies beneath the feet of your mother. So once you become a Muslim sister, only those things which your parents tell you against Quran and Sahih Hadith, very few they are. Except for those things, you have to follow everything else what your parents tell you. And normally I tell the non-Muslims or the new Muslims that when they accept Islam, you have to see to it that you should love your parents more than what you loved them before. For example, they told you to wear blue color and you don't like blue color. Now once you accept Islam, wearing blue color and Islam is not haram. So you have to go out of the way even though you don't like blue, you should start wearing blue. You should start loving your mother more. You should start taking care of her more. Same thing with your father. 
they should find a difference that what has happened to my daughter now she's loving me more now she's caring me more now she's taking more care of me now she's obeying me more except for those few things which is against islam those few things sister you will not be following of your parents everything else you love her more you take care of more you respect her more you will find a drastic change in your behavior and inshallah this will be fruitful for even letting your father and mother come on the straight path hope that answers the question sister uh, the sister would like to take shahada yes inshallah sister sister do you believe that there is one god yes i believe uh, sister were you a christian first before i'm sorry were you a christian before yes so do you believe jesus is god no mashallah do you believe he is the messenger of god yes mashallah do you believe that prophet muhammad is the last and final messenger yes sister is anyone forcing you to accept no. islam no are you accepting islam out of your free will i'm sorry are you accepting islam out of your free will yes inshallah so i'll just say it in arabic you can repeat it okay ashhadu ashhadu allah allah ilaha ilaha illallah illallah wa ashhadu wa ashhadu anna anna muhammadan muhammadan abduhu abduhu wa rasuluhu wa rasuluhu i bear witness i bear witness that that there is no god there is no god but allah but allah and and prophet muhammad prophet muhammad is the messenger is the messenger and servant of allah and servant of allah mashallah sister become a muslim and i pray to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to guide you more and inshallah grant you jannah and i pray to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that may you be a good example to your parents who love your parents more respect them more and be the guiding force for letting them also come to islam inshallah i mean uh is there any other uh, lady who would like to ask a question before we take another question from the men side i believe there were two ladies uh who wanted to ask questions uh my name is anida i'm a nurse uh, sir i want to know the difference of the christian and muslim and do you think the christians are not a true follower of the god because i am a christian i want to know the truth sister heard the question correctly you said you want to know what is the difference between christian and muslim yes that is the first part second part was what and uh, uh, do you think the christians are not a true follower of god uh, do i think that christians are true followers or not sister uh, the major difference between the christian and muslim as i said earlier that there are many similarities but there are differences also islam is the only non christian faith which makes it an article of faith to believe in jesus christ peace be upon him we believe that he was one of the mightiest messengers of god we believe that jesus christ peace be upon him that he was the messiah translated christ we believe that he was born miraculously without any male intervention which many modern day christians today do not believe we believe that he gave life to the dead with god's permission we believed he healed those born blind and lepers with god's permission the muslim and the christian are going together but one may ask then where is the parting of ways the parting of ways is that most of the christians believe that jesus christ peace be upon him claimed divinity that he was god in fact if you read the bible there is not a single unequivocal statement in the complete bible where jesus christ peace be upon himself says that i am god or where he says worship me 
In fact, if any Christian can point out a single unequivocal statement from anywhere in the Bible where Jesus Christ, peace be upon himself, says that I am God or where he says, worship me, I am ready to accept Christianity. In fact, if you read the Bible, Jesus Christ, peace be upon him, clearly mentioned. It's mentioned in the Gospel of John, <clears throat> chapter number 14, verse number 28. Jesus Christ, peace be upon him, said, my father is greater than I. Gospel of John, chapter number 10, verse number 29. My father is greater than all. Gospel of Matthew, chapter number 12, verse number 28. I cast out devil with the spirit of God. Gospel of Luke, chapter number 11, verse number 20. I with the finger of God cast out devil. Gospel of John, chapter number 5, verse number 30. I can of my own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just. For I seek not my will, but the will of Almighty God. Anyone who says, I seek not my will, but the will of Almighty God, is a Muslim. Jesus Christ, peace be upon him, is a Muslim. He never claimed divinity. It's clearly mentioned in the book of Acts, chapter number 2, verse number 22. It says, Amen men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God amongst you by wonders and miracles and signs, which God did by him and you witnessed it. A man approved of God amongst you by wonders and miracles and signs, which God did by him and you witnessed it. So if you analyze and if you read the Bible, Jesus Christ, peace be upon him, never claimed divinity, but he was one of the mightiest messengers of God. You asked me the question, that do the Christians worship true God? Correct, sister? Sister, second part of the question was, sister? Uh, is the sister there on the mic? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Sister, second part of the question was, uh, do you think the Christians are not a true follower of God? Yes. Do you really, do you think that the Christians are not the true followers of God? The true Christians are the true followers of God. The false Christians are the false followers of God. As far as the false following of God is concerned, most of the Christians believe that Jesus is God, which is totally false. Nowhere did, no, nowhere did Jesus Christ, peace be upon himself, say in the Bible that is God. That is the teachings of Paul, St. Paul, not of Jesus Christ, peace be upon him. The two Christians, what they believe, that Jesus Christ is the messenger of Almighty God. And Jesus Christ already said and prophesied many places the coming of the last and final messenger, including in Gospel of John, chapter number 16, verse number 12 to 14, Jesus Christ, peace be upon him, said that I have many things to say unto you, but he cannot bear them now. For he, when the spirit of truth shall come, he shall guide you unto all truth. He shall not speak of himself. All that here shall he speak, he shall glorify me. Now this spirit of truth is no one but the last and final messenger, Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. So true Christian is a person who follows the teachings of Jesus Christ, peace be upon him. And Jesus Christ, peace be upon him, said that there is another comfort to come. And the last and final messenger is Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. So the true Christian, as the Quran says in Surah Al-Imran, chapter 3, verse 110, Min humul waqsaramul fasikun. That among the Ahle Kitab, there are some who are mu'min, who are believers, but the majority are poverty transgressors. So I believe that the majority of the Christians worship the false god that is Jesus Christ, peace be upon him. But few Christians are mu'min who believe in Jesus Christ, peace be upon him as a messenger, and they believe Prophet Muhammad is the last and final messenger, and they believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So sister, do you believe that there is one God? Sister, do you believe there is one God? Yeah, I am believing one God. Do you believe Jesus is God or is he a messenger? Jesus is a messenger. MashaAllah. Do you believe that Prophet Muhammad is a messenger of God? Yes. MashaAllah. That means you are a Muslim sister. And I would say you are the true, true Christian who follows the teachings of Jesus Christ, peace be upon him, and has come to the straight path. 
So sister would like to take the shada. Would you like to take the shada? Yeah. Okay, so is anyone forcing you, sister? Nobody forcing me. Are you doing out of your own free will? Pardon? Are you doing out of your own free will? Yes. Is anyone bribing you? No. Because no, forcing anyone to accept any religion is prohibited in Islam and I believe it is also prohibited in Dubai. You cannot force anyone to accept Islam. It's not allowed in Islam. It's not allowed in this country. But if you are doing out of your free will, then no one can stop you and surely you can accept sister. So inshallah say it in Arabic and you can repeat it. Okay. <clears throat> Ashadu. Ashadu. Allah. Allah. Ilaha. Ilaha. Illallah. Illallah. Wa ashadu. Wa ashadu. Anna. Anna. Muhammadan. Muhammadan. Abduhu. Abduhu. Wa rasuluhu. Wa rasuluhu. I bear witness. I bear witness. That. That. There is no God. There is no God. But Allah. But Allah. And Prophet Muhammad. And Prophet Muhammad. Is the messenger. Is the messenger. And servant of Allah. And sorry, the Allah. you become a Muslim sister, and I pray to Allah Subhanahu wa Taala to guide you more, and grant you Jannah, and maybe a source to grant other people to Jannah, Inshallah. Jazakallah, sister. Do you want to take one more uh, Brother, we have two more shahadas. Allahu Akbar. Inshallah, dear. So. Um, we will go through the shahada procedure, inshallah. May I know your name, sisters? Uh, I'm Lizelle Ta'an. Sorry, sister Michelle. Lizelle. Lizelle. And the other sister? I'm Laurie. Mashallah. Sister, do you believe there's one God? Yes. Both of you believe there's one God? Yes. Do you believe Jesus is the messenger of God? Do you believe that Prophet Muhammad is the messenger of God? Yes. Sisters, are uh, is anyone forcing you no. to accept Islam? No one. You're doing it out of your own free will? Yes. Inshallah, say it in Arabic and you can repeat it. Ashadu. Ashadu. Allah. Allah. Ilaha. Ilaha. Illallah. Illallah. Wa ashadu. Wa ashadu. Anna. Anna. Muhammadan. Muhammadan. Abduhu. Abduhu. I bear witness. I bear witness that, that there is no God. There is no God but Allah. But Allah. And I bear witness. And I bear witness that, that Prophet Muhammad. Prophet Muhammad is the messenger. Is the messenger and servant of Allah. And servant of Allah. Mashallah, become a Muslim. Allah. And I pray to Allah Subhanahu wa Taala to Jannah. And I request the volunteers that see to it that you take the phone numbers of these new rewards so that you can if they require any help in terms of knowledge in terms of support in terms of social support see to it that that you help them out and it is the duty of every muslim that whenever a non-muslim accept islam you should welcome them and see to it that whatever difficulties they have that you make the difficulties easy and i request the volunteers to note their numbers and guide them to the right sources available and organizations available in Dubai. There are various organizations like Darul Bill, organizations like Kalima Center and other centers where there are sessions and uh, lectures for non-Muslims which give them tarbiya and help them in whichever way they require. Jazakallah. Okay, we'll take another question uh, 
from the mic number one if there is a non-muslim uh, who is there to ask Muslims. is there any other non-muslim on this side okay so we'd like to apologize to our muslim brothers that you know the preference is given so that they can uh, clear their misconceptions and get their questions answered about islam and inshallah we hope that they will enter into islam so we'll take the question from the non-muslim brother over there Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Protus. I'm a security officer with Emeril Services. Actually, I want to clear some doubts I have about uh, what the Muslims uh, tell tells us about the Quran. Like, when you look into the Bible, right from the books of Genesis right down to Malachi, it shows, it conveys information that God has been revealing through different prophets. But now, when we come to the Quran, the Muslims make us to understand that the Quran is a literal work of God. So I just want to be very clear with that. That is all. Brother, can you speak a bit loudly, brother? The first part of the question I didn't understand. That when you read the Bible from Genesis? What I'm trying to say is that the information the Bible carries Sorry, the purpose What did you say? The purpose of the Bible? The information that the Bible carries I'm talking about the information Information of the, the, Bible? the Bible Yeah, the Bible carries are all revealed by God to different prophets true different prophets But now, when we come to the Quran they make us understand that the Quran is a literal work of God. So I just want to understand why God should keep the Quran so special that he had to write it by himself. The brother asked a very good question. He says from the information of the Bible we get that Bible is written by messengers and prophets of God. But Quran is literally the word of God. So why, why does God keep the Quran so special? Brother, according to Islam, Almighty God has sent down several revelations. By name, four are mentioned in the Quran. The Torah, the Zabur, the Injil and the Quran. The Torah is the Wahi, the revelation which Almighty God gave to Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. The Zabur is the Wahi, the revelation which God sent down to Dawud David, peace be upon him. Injil is the Wahi, the revelation which Almighty God sent to Jesus Christ, peace be upon him. And, and Quran is the last and final revelation which Almighty God revealed to Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. Even the Bible, according to the church, the church never says Bible is the word of prophets. It's your misconception. According to the church, the Bible is the word of God. According to Catholics, they used to believe that Bible is the message from Almighty God. The Protestant, they protested. Not only is the Bible the message from God, every word, every letter of the Bible is from God. So they believe that Bible is little word. What we Muslims say, that Almighty God sent a revelation to Jesus Christ, peace be upon him, but it has not been maintained in its pure form. The present Bible that you have is a mixture. It does contain word of God, it does contain the word of the messengers, it does contain history, it does contain also pornography, I'm sorry to say. So present Bible is the interpolation, is a concoction, it's a mixture. Because by the passage of time, 
the word of Almighty God, original Injil that we believe in, has changed. Because according to Islam and according to the Bible, Jesus Christ, peace be upon him, was only sent for children of Israel. And he was meant for, for a limited time period. Now because he was meant for a limited time period, Almighty God did not think it fit to preserve his message. But since Quran is the last and final messenger message, and it was sent to the last and final messenger, Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. It was not sent only for the Muslims or the Arabs, it was sent for the whole of humanity. Almighty God promises and says in Surah Hijr, chapter number 15, verse number 9, that we have revealed the Quran, Almighty God says, and we shall guard it from corruption. Now because Quran is the last and final revelation, and after that no other revelation will come, and since Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, is the last and final messenger, after him no messenger would come. That's the reason Almighty God took it upon himself to preserve this message. The previous message is Torah, Zabur, Injil, and what the present Bible you have, it's a changed form of the original message because it's not meant to be followed till eternity. Since Quran is supposed to be followed till eternity and no other message will come, Almighty God Himself will protect it. That's the difference between the Quran and the Bible. If you put the Bible to test, you will find many contradictions, you will find many mathematical errors, you will find many scientific errors, which if you put Quran to the test, Alhamdulillah, you will not find a single contradiction. You will not find a single scientific error. It passes the test. That's the reason the Quran is the last and final messenger. Is the last and final message of God. If there's something like the Old Testament and New Testament, the glorious Quran is the last and final testament. Hope that answers the question, brother. Yeah. Brother, do you believe there is one God? Yes, I do. Sorry? I do. Do you believe Jesus is God or is the messenger of God? Jesus is the messenger of God. MashaAllah. Do you believe Prophet Muhammad is the messenger of God? Yes, I do. MashaAllah. That means you're a Muslim. The minimum requirement for anyone to be a Muslim is he should believe there's one God. He should believe that he has no partners. And if you believe Jesus is not God, a messenger of God, and you believe Prophet Muhammad is a messenger, that means you're a Muslim. Yeah, there's no doubt it, MashaAllah. Would you like to take the Shahada? Would you like to say it in Arabic? Yeah. MashaAllah. Is anyone forcing you to accept Islam? Is anyone forcing you to accept Islam? No, nobody is doing that. You're doing it out of your own free will? Yeah, out of my free will. Inshallah, I said in Arabic and you can repeat it. Yeah. Ashadu. Ashadu. Allah. Allah. Ilaha. Ilaha. Illallah. Illallah. Wa ashadu. Anna. Anna. Muhammadan, Muhammadan, Abduhu, Abduhu, Warasuluhu, Warasuluhu. I bear witness, I bear witness that, that there is no God but Allah, there is no God but Allah, and Prophet Muhammad, and Prophet Muhammad is the messenger, is the messenger and servant of Allah, and son of Allah. Mashallah, you have become Muslim, and I pray to Allah Subhanahu to guide you and to go into Jannah, Inshallah. Alhamdulillah. Are there any other non-Muslims on the microphone? Are there any non-Muslim sisters who would like to ask a question? A non-Muslim sister has written down a question to be asked. Okay, sure. She wants to know why Muslims are asked to say Assalamu Alaikum only to Muslims when it's a religion of peace and should wish peace for everyone. Though it's a question coming in the ending of the question-answer session, it's a very relevant question. It's a very important question, 
and without this question I feel the topic would have been complete. The sister asked a very good question that why are Muslims asked to say Salaamu Alaikum only to Muslims and why not to non-Muslims? Uh, uh, is it allowed for a Muslim to say Salaam to a non-Muslim? As far as this question is concerned that can a Muslim say wish Assalamu Alaikum to a non-Muslim there's difference of opinion. There's difference of opinion and most of the Muslims think that the Muslim cannot wish salam to a non-Muslim and this difference of opinion has come due to certain information. There is a hadith of Muhammad it's a Sahih hadith of Sahih Bukhari where the Prophet said that if the Jews wish you assalam alaikum assalam alaikum Arabic means may death be on you. So when the Jews wish the Muslims assalam alaikum may death be on you the Prophet said wish them back wa alaikum on you too. So based on this most of the Muslims think that you cannot when any non-Muslim wishes you assalamu alaikum you have to say wa alaikum but you can't wish wa alaikum assalam. Based on this different opinion if you read the comment of Ibn Qasir if you read the comment of Ibn Qasir Ibn Abbas may Allah be pleased with him he said giving the tafsir of the verse of the Quran of Surah Nisa chapter 4 verse 86 where Allah says where Allah says that when any courteous greeting is given to you wish back more courteously or at least the same for Allah is careful in keeping of all the accounts based on this verse where Allah says وَإِذَا خُيِّتُمْ بِتَيَّتِمْ فَأَيُّ he said that based on this if any non-muslim any kafir wishes you salam this verse applies that you have to wish back more courteously now according to Qatarda the difference of opinion if you read Qurtubi he says no this verse means when muslims wish you you have to wish back more courteously when non-muslims wish you you have to wish back with same courtesy so the difference of opinion. Now this difference of opinion has arisen because there are various hadiths of Muhammad One of the hadiths says, it is a Sahih hadith of Bukhari and Muslim, that when the Jews and Christians, when they approach you, don't wish them assalamu alaikum and make their pathway narrow. There are other hadiths in which the Prophet, he wished a mixed gathering of Muslims and non-Muslims and Jews and Christians. Based on this, the scholars are divided and even the Sahabas, the opinion change. I believe more in those scholars and those Sahabas who have the opinion that you should wish the non-Muslims Assalamu Alaikum and when the non-Muslims wish you, you have to wish back more courteously. My reasoning is based on the verse of the Quran of Surah Maryam, chapter number 19, verse number 47. When Abraham alayhi salam, when his father kicks him out of his house, he says, Assalamu Alaikum. Assalamu alaika. May peace be on you. I will pray to Almighty God to forgive you. Imagine Ibrahim alayhi father was a mushrik. He kicks him out of the house because Ibrahim alayhi was on Tawheed. He says, Assalamu alaika. May peace be on you. I will pray to Allah to forgive you. Now, based on this, some of the scholars, what they say, because of this, majority scholars say, no, no, this was just a farewell greeting to a kafir was a farewell greeting to a Muslim, you cannot wish them salam. 
But the other group of scholars who say no, based on this verse of the Quran of Surah Maryam, chapter 14, verse 47, you can wish salam to any non-Muslim. Now, if you read the view of Ibn Unizra, he was asked that can you wish salam to a non-Muslim? And he said, yes, you can wish salam to a non-Muslim, quoting the verse of the Quran of Surah Mumtahina, chapter number 60, verse number 8, which says that Allah forbids you not from being just. Allah forbids you not as to those non-Muslims who fight you not your religion and drive you not off your home from being just and kind to them. That means based on this verse of the Quran, Ibn Anadha, he says that we have to be just and kind to the non-Muslims, we have to be compassionate, so there is no harm in wishing them assalamu alaikum. Now there are other views of other scholars. Again the Quranic verse. The Quranic verse if you read, it's mentioned in Surah Qasas, chapter number 28, verse number 55. It says that when you meet those people who talk, who give vain talks and who criticize Islam, you say, Salamun Alaikum, may peace be on you, I seek not the ignorant. Imagine here people are giving vain talks and criticizing Islam. The Quran says, wish them Salamun Alaikum, may peace be on you, we seek not the ignorant. Further is mentioned in Surah Furqan, chapter number 25, verse number 63. <clears throat> the servants of Allah are those who walk in humility. And when the ignorant approach them, they say, Kalu Salama. They say, Peace. The servant of Allah are those who walk the earth on humility. And when the ignorant approach them, the Quran says, Kalu Salama. They say, Peace. So based on these verses, I am more with those group of scholars and those sahabas who said that wishing is good and we should wish and if you read the salaf salihin in the salafs the salafs are divided but according to ibn masood may allah be pleased with him ibn masood was asked the question that isn't it wrong to wish salam to a non-muslim he said yes but the non-muslims even have a right of companionship so wishing them is allowed further if you read the view of abu osama he said that when he was asked that can you wish salam? He said yes. The Prophet Muhammad he was sent in this world to spread peace. And the Quran says in Surah Ambiya, chapter number 21, verse number 107, that we have sent thee not but as a mercy to the whole of humanity, as a mercy to all the worlds, as a mercy to all the creatures. So if he was sent as a mercy to the whole world and he had advised us he has commanded us to spread peace. So, but naturally we have to wish the non-Muslims peace. So, based on these views, and after reading Ibn Qasir, and uh, after reading the various Tafasirs, I am of the opinion, though the opinion is divided between the scholars and between the Salafs, between the Sahabas, I am of the opinion, based on the Quranic verse of Surah Imran, chapter 14, verse number, chapter 19, verse 47, and on Surah Qasas chapter 28 verse number 55 and Surah Furqan chapter 25 verse 63 that I feel you should wish the non-Muslim salam and if they wish you, we should wish back more courteously and further it is mentioned in the Quran in Surah Namal chapter number 27 verse number 47 that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala asked Musa alayhi salam and Harun alayhi salam 
that when they went to Pharaoh, they were asked to say, Assalamu alaikum, may peace be on those who receive guidance. And this is what Muhammad sallallahu alayhi when he wrote letters to the non-Muslim kings, he said, peace on those who receive guidance. So based on this, I believe that there's no harm and you should wish salam to the non-Muslims. And if the non-Muslims wish you, you should wish back more courteously. That is the best and the rest is Allah alam. Hope that answers the question. Since uh, it, it is getting extremely late and uh, we know that there are some people, they've been standing there for quite some time, we will just take one last question. Assalamu alaikum. Uh, yeah. Assalamu alaikum. It will probably. No, uh, we just want to uh, give an opportunity to this side. Uh, if there is a non-Muslim from any one of them, are you a non-Muslim? Uh, I am Muslim, but I have a question from... Just one uh, second, brother. The, okay. Just one second, brother. There, there is a brother waiting there for quite some time. Okay. I've been seeing him and inshallah... Thank he you. Can. Is there any other uh, question, uh, any non-Muslims from the ladies' side who have come up, who has come up? We maybe... If not, then we will give a chance to this gentleman. Any ladies? brother Zakir. Uh, I have a pretty simple question which I believe is actually relevant to today's topic. First of all, Ramadan Kareem to you too and everyone else here. Alhamdulillah, we've had the opportunity to have another month of Ramadan in our lives. Uh, the question actually is, uh, if I were to take today's lecture of yours uh, about the men's hijab and I were to explain it to someone else, to a Muslim or non-Muslim brother alike, and if he asked me this question, you say that there were 70 major sins, right? according to one of the imams. I'm sorry, I don't recall his name. Uh, well, a major sin is considered a major sin because it has some repercussions, right? Now, for example, murder is a major sin. It's because you are murdering someone. Murder is a major sin, so you're murdering someone. Shirk is obviously the first major sin, which is because you're, not, you're worshiping someone other than Allah. Now, what is the repercussion of actually keeping your trousers above your ankles? I mean, uh, someone could argue that, does it, is it because you might trip on it, or is it because it carries dirt along with it? Oh, obviously, that's your question to answer. The brother has a question, that from this lecture, he came to know there are 70 major sins in Islam, and he can understand murder is a major sin because it hurts someone. Correct? That's what you yes, said, exactly. murder. And shirk is a major sin because it's you're washing somebody, but when you're doing shirk, you're not hurting anyone. When you're doing shirk, it's the major sin, you're not hurting anyone. Only thing you are disobeying Almighty God. So the biggest sin in Islam is shirk, is that you are worshipping somebody else beside Almighty God. But when you are worshipping somebody else beside God, you are not helping any, you are not harming any other human being. But you are disobeying Almighty God. Similarly, as far as the trouser is concerned, you are disobeying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and His Messenger. Because what Allah says in the Quran, uh, sorry, in the Hadith, as I mentioned in Bukhari, there are no less than five Hadith in Bukhari. In, in, in Sahih Bukhari, it says in volume number 7, in the book of death, uh, chapter number 4, hadith number 5787, that the, if the izar is below the ankle, it will burn in fire. And the next four hadith of Sahih Bukhari, volume number 7, in the book of death, chapter number 5, hadith number 5788, 5789, 5790 and 5791, that Allah would not look at you on the day of judgment if you were out of the bill of the ankle. And it also says that all those who trail their garment with pride and arrogance, 
so this at that time it was a sign of pride and arrogance therefore some scholars say oh so if you have a trousers below the ankle without pride and arrogance yes you can do it fine so what you have to realize that if it's the commandment of of uh, Muhammad sallallahu alaihi that Allah will not look at you on the day of judgment and Allah will punish you if you wear the trousers below the ankle we may know the reason we may not know the reason what we have to realize that it was a sign of arrogance today if it is not or it is it doesn't make a difference if it displeases the messenger if it displeases Allah that is sufficient for a Muslim to obey the commandment what people start thinking logically oh logically fine you know I am putting my trousers without pride you may say that no that means Abdullah ibn Omar may Allah be pleased with him do you think that he was doing his pride can you say you're better than Abdullah ibn Omar may Allah, can you say that of course not and no Muslim today can ever say better than the Sahabas because the Sahabas are on a different level the Ambiya are on a different level the messengers on a different level the Sahabas so at that time Abdullah ibn Omar may Allah be pleased with him he didn't have pride but yet the Prophet said up trousers up trousers up Radhiti is a Muslim. So that means some people who argue and they say, no, 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 we are keeping it with we are keeping it below the ankle and we don't have pride. Now whether you have pride or you don't have pride, the reason you are not following the commandment of the Prophet itself is pride. And you tell me one thing. If the True. option is there that tomorrow you come to know wearing the trousers is wrong, if you come to know on the day of judgment, can you undo it? Of course not. Allah will not see your face. Allah will punish you. So even if there is a doubt, it's right or wrong. It's a Sai Hadith of Bukhari. It's a Sai Hadith of Muslim. Assalamualaikum Sheikh. How are you? MashaAllah, we have Vital Sheikh Yusuf Estes. MashaAllah. So even if you doubt whether it's right or wrong, wearing the I'm asking you, does it trouble you wearing above the ankle? No, of course. Yes, you may look like a joker. You may look like a joker, I may look like a joker, but if you are willing to look like a joker for Allah and His Rasul, what is the problem? That itself shows that you have pride. Today if a Muslim comes to me, I know that there are many scholars who tell that wearing the trousers below the ankle is not haram. So the moment that itself shows that you cannot put your trousers above the ankle, then what love do you have for Prophet and His Rasul? What love do you have? Even if it is supposed Nowhere does the Quran say that if you wear the trousers, you burn in hell, no? So even if you put above the trousers, if you put the trousers above the ankle, and even if it's not required, what is the problem? If you come to know tomorrow, when you die on the day of judgment, that wearing was wrong, you cannot undo it. It is, I see, the other thing that is difficult. In this, there is no difficulty at all. There is no pain. Only thing you may look like a joker. Is it costing you more money? It's less costing money. you less money. Correct? It's yes. not only thing that you may not look good. There's no pain in that. There's no difficulty in that. Fine. The reason you may trip or it may get dirty, that's all secondary. That's not at all. Just because Allah said it and because the Prophet said it, we have to believe in it. So this is the sign of a believer. And this is the label. If the label shows you intent wear it. And if wearing the trousers above the ankle makes people firmly believe that I'm a Muslim, then what is the harm in it? Hope that answers the question. Yes, just, uh, is there, I mean, irrelevant to this, is there any scientific 
Some people may believe or may not believe it is a sign of arrogance it was in the past that the reason when you see the kings and the and the rulers they always had the rope you know trailing round behind you yes it is a sign today it may not be that relevant but if it is not relevant why are you putting the trousers below the ankle sir that's the reason at least in india mashallah muslim go to pray what they do besides wearing a cap they put the trousers above the ankle alhamdulillah so at least while praying they are putting the trousers above the ankle Actually, there is no relevance that while praying you have to put your trousers above the ankle. Generally, you have to wear trousers above the ankle. That is the rule. That is the commandment of the Prophet. And Allah will love you, and Allah will, insha, look at your face on the day of judgment. Thank you. And the hadith again of Sahih Muslim, which I quoted, volume number one in the book of Faith, hadith number two ninety three. Allah, three categories of people. Allah will not look at him on the day of judgment. Allah will not praise him, and Allah will punish him. The first category is those who wear the izad below the ankle. The second is those who send reminders of the favors, and the third is those who sell things with false oaths. Hope that answers the question. No, it. So, inshallah, next time I'll see you with beard cap and trousers below the inshallah. ankle. Inshallah, trousers above the ankle. Inshallah. There's a light beard already, so hopefully he'll let it. Sorry. This time. There's a light beard already. Hopefully it is there, but hopefully time. it's a strong label. Inshallah. You know? inshallah. Strong inshallah. label from. I'm only 21, so it's going to take a bit of time, man. Sorry. I'm only 21, so it might take a bit of time for it to grow full. Inshallah. Inshallah. Sramaalaikum. You'll become the real Superman, brother. Zakallah <laughs> khairan. Uh, there, is there any non-Muslim who would like to? I, I believe there is a new uh, non-Muslim questioner uh, at mic number two. Yeah, please go ahead. Yeah, I am Ramesh. I belong to Hindu Brahmin community. Sorry, can you speak a bit loudly? Yeah, yeah my Ramesh here. I belongs to Hindu community Brahmin actually, but I believe that there is a God. But I don't. So far, my personal concern I am saying I don't have any specific uh, like you know image or something. Our benchmark for a god. As my concern, why should I follow Islam when you are? I don't have uh, any uh, like you know specification. When you said there is a god who is going to guide me, why should I follow Islam? Brother asked a question that he is a Hindu. He believes in one god, but doesn't have particular image of god. Doesn't have benchmark of Almighty God. So why should he follow Islam? See, Islam means peace by submitting will to Almighty God. Believing in one God is important, and you say you don't have an image of God, very good. But you don't have a benchmark of God, that is not good. No, no, no. You should have a definition of God. Something will be there to guide me. I don't make it. You know, it is only one God. Like you know, Hindu is there many gods. I don't want to make it. You know, multiple of uh, these things. But you believe there is one God. Something there. Something there to guide me. But I don't want to make it. It is only Islam. You don't want to make it as a. Only it is Islam. Our Allah. Only as Allah. See, the thing is that first you have to understand what is the definition of God or what is the definition of Allah. If you understand the definition, for example, someone says he doesn't believe in God, so ask him what is the definition of God. So he, he starts saying he starts thinking, okay, God which is born. So but naturally, I don't believe in such a God. 
which is one one god fighting with the other god even i don't believe in such a god which fights with other gods so the real definition of allah is given in surah class chapter number 112 verse number 1 to 4 it says kul huwa allah ahad say is allah one only allah samad allah the absolute eternal lam yulad wa lam yulad he begets not noise he begotten malam yakullu kufanad there nothing like him so the definition of almighty god is say is allah one only if he is not one and only then he is not allah if you say that there are multiple gods then he cannot be allah the second is lam yulad wa lam yulad no the second is kul allah samad allah the absolute eternal he has to be absolute he has to be all powerful he has to be eternal no beginning no end lam yulad wa lam yulad he begets not noise he begotten he cannot be born to anyone and he cannot beget anyone and the last is walam yakullu kufana there nothing like him so this concept you should have of god unlike what you have in other scriptures that almighty god died on the cross or almighty god if you did if you did the hindu philosophy and hindu scripture that somebody abducted the wife of almighty god and then he takes the help of another god to get his wife back so these concepts are not the concepts of true god it can be of messengers that's the reason what hinduism talks about avatars the meaning of avatar they say almighty god descending it's a wrong definition in sanskrit av means god and trum means sending someone so almighty god send someone so when you're talking about messengers having difficulties messengers wife being abducted we have no problem so avatar mainly means messengers of god it doesn't mean god himself so if you know the real meaning of god then you'll understand the true allah and that is given in the hindu scriptures if you read the hindu scriptures it's mentioned in chandogya upanishad chapter number 6 section number 2 verse number 1 ekam ividityam god is only one without a second it's mentioned in the sita sita upanishad chapter number 6 verse number 9 nachasya kasid janita nachadipa of that god he has no parents he has no superior he has no mother he has no father it's mentioned in the sita sita upanishad Chapter number four, verse number nineteen. Nasa se pratima asti. Of that God, there is no pratima. Pratima in Sanskrit means an image, a picture, a painting, a photograph, a sculpture. So nasa se pratima asti. Of that God, there is no image, there is no painting, there is no photograph, there is no picture, there is no sculpture, there is no idol. The same thing is repeated in Yajurved, chapter number three to verse number three. So if you read the Hindu scriptures. you come to know that the definition what is given in the quran is also there in the vedas but unfortunately the priests and the pandits they don't teach the teachings of the vedas so if you read the vedas even they specify about the oneness of almighty god and besides this you also have to believe in the last and final messenger as there are avatars in hinduism the kalki avatar is the last and final messenger prophet muhammad peace be upon him There are various references of the last and final messenger Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam given given in Hindu scriptures, in the Vedas, in the Upanishad. He is also mentioned in the Kalki Avatar in the Kalki Purana, chapter number two, verse number five, verse number seven, verse number nine, eleven, and fifteen. It says that this Kalki Purana, his father's name will be Abdullah, will be Vishnu Yas. Vishnu means God, Yas means servant. servant of god if you translate into arabic it's abdullah which was the name of the father of muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam it also says his mother's name will be sumati which means peace which means serenity in arabic it means amina which was the name of the mother of muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam it says that he will have four companions 
that is the first Khulfar Rashidin. It says that he will get the first revelation at night. He will get it in a cave. And we know Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam got the first revelation in Garahira. He will migrate northwards and come back. He went from Makkah to Madinah and came back. There are various references. So if you read your scripture, you have to believe there is one God who has got no image, who has got no idol. And the last and final messenger of this God is Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. So brother, do you believe there is one God? I said earlier. Sorry? I said earlier, it is there the only God only. Oh, but, but do I you believe that uh, idol worship is wrong? Yes. MashaAllah. Do you believe that Prophet Muhammad is the messenger of God? No. <laughs> do you believe that he is the messenger of God? Yeah. MashaAllah, that means that a Muslim, the minimum requirement for anyone to enter Islam is to believe that there is one God. He should not believe in idol worship and believe Prophet Muhammad is a messenger. Following comes slowly. It can't come all in one. But the minimum two requirement is believe there is one God and believe Prophet Muhammad is a messenger of God. Brother, would like to say the Shahada? Like to say in Arabic? Yeah, is anyone forcing you, brother? Yeah. MashaAllah, that is the seventh person. That is the third, third, uh, MashaAllah, gentleman. We have four ladies who gave the Shahada. You are the third gentleman, inshallah. I said in Arabic and you can repeat it. Ashadu. Allah, Allah, Ilaha, Ilaha, Illallah, Illallah, Wa Ashadu, Anna, Muhammadan, Abduhu, Wa Rasuluhu. I bear witness that there is no God but Allah. Sorry. I bear witness that there is no God but Allah and Prophet Muhammad is the messenger and servant of Allah. MashaAllah, become a Muslim and I pray to Allah SWT to give you Hidayah and to grant to Jannah and give you more knowledge so that you practice more and you spread the true message to others. MashaAllah, Jazakallah brother. MashaAllah, we have a seventh Shahada. I feel the ladies are ahead than the gents. Do you have any non-Muslims in the audience among the gents? Do you have any non-Muslim to ask any questions? Any non-Muslims? Any non-Muslims on this microphone? Any non-Muslim? No. Any non-Muslim from the microphone on the left? No, I have a friend, uh, non-Muslim question. <laughs> Are there non-Muslim among the ladies? Any non-Muslim like to ask a question from the ladies section? No. Okay, inshallah, we'll take the last question from the gentleman. Yes, brother. Uh, My name is Abdu. I have a non-Muslim friend. Uh, actually, I was uh, discussing with him regarding the hellfire and uh, heaven. He does not believe in uh, hellfire. Actually, he is from the Jehovah Witness. And I proved from him, uh, for him from the Bible in the Gospel of uh, Matthew, which is mentioned at the hellfire. But he told me that I believe in the hellfire. But what about the eternity of the hellfire? Sorry, about the... the the eternal life in the uh, what call it in the the everlasting life in the hellfire. How can we convince him that uh, it is the brother uh, that, that he doesn't believe in fire and he doesn't believe in the eternal hellfire? Brother, one thing you have to realize that besides believing in Almighty God, we also have to believe in the messengers and we also have to believe in life after death. Without life after death, only believing in a, in the in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and believing in the messenger is not sufficient. Therefore, one of the pillars of Iman is also believing life after death. And the simple example you can give him, that today in the history of humankind, 
who is supposed to be the more most ruthless human being in the face of the earth who has killed the maximum human beings brother who do you think is the ruthless human being the most ruthless human being who has killed the maximum human beings in the world the most was sorry the ruthless human being who has killed the maximum human beings in the world who is it can anyone guess hitler simple question simple answer no award for that hitler history says that killed 6 million jews incinerated whether it's 6 million whether it is 600000 it is dramatic enough i am asking a question that today if the police catches hitler what punishment will you give him if the police had caught hitler what punishment could it, could it have given hitler they will kill him maximum burn him will that justify him incinerating 6 million jews it will only be justice for one human being one murder of his what about the balance 5 million 900999 it's not just but in the quran allah says in surah nisa chapter number 4 verse number 56 for as to those who reject our signs we shall cast them in the hell fire for as often as the skins are roasted we shall give them fresh skin so that they shall feel the pain if allah subhanahu wa taala wants to incinerate hitler in the next life in the hell 6 million times we can do it here you cannot so that's the reason for justice there has to be something like less life there has to be something like hellfire if there was no hellfire and no no life after that there cannot be justice at all so for justice besides believing in god and the messenger you have to believe in next life you have to believe in heaven and hell hope that answers the question makro dawan alhamdulillah rabbil alamin jazakumullah khairan dr zaknaik and for the patients for all the brothers who are here they're waiting and we like to announce that we have Uh, an urdu lecture tomorrow uh, by sheikh dr wasiullah abbas he is the mufti of al haram al sharif uh, from makka who will be amongst us inshallah tomorrow night along with sheikh zafar al hasan al madani and the next day we will be having a lecture in tagalog by two of the prominent speakers in tagalog uh,